So how was your weekend? Lovely. Good. All right, we're live. How was your weekend, Joe? Uh, 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 uh. It was great, man. I um. What the fuck was that? Oh, that was my Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> no, I was just laughing from what we were talking about earlier. Um, what did I do? Well, it just was, my daughter's got a bunch of AP exams this week and next, so uh-huh. just helping her I get too. a sanity check. Um, she took it too much last year, too much, too many, and um, I mean, she passed the cop, got threes on a few of them, but this year she wants to score higher, obviously. So dealing with that, we went to see a movie, The Norsemen or Northmen. That Viking How was that? movie. I liked it. Um, you know, it's not like it's different. I mean, you know, but it it's it almost it reminded me a little bit of like Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. But in a more modernistic way. So definitely worth checking out. You know, Merrick Park's always a great place to see movies. Um, but other than that, I think got some exercise hung in. You know, nothing too um exciting you know gearing up i think the formula one stuff starts on wednesday i've got some buddies coming in town for that so looking forward to that over the weekend um you're gonna go to it yeah i'm gonna go to it one one or the one or two of the days i'm trying to um get some of the stuff from the ferrari guys so um the in town here that i know but we'll see but you know it's cheaper on StubHub. when i looked at tickets a couple months ago it was like two grand a ticket now it's down into like the 100, 120 range. So, you know, I love StubHub. So that's coming up. And then the Bloomberg uh, Power Conference is on Friday. Oh, yeah. You're going to hang out with the big guys. Yeah, go, go, go tout some stuff, see what people think. Um, you know, it's at Equinox at the beach, so it should be pretty exciting. Yeah, that's but, you know, But I always dread that drive over there. Ah, the I mean, beach it's a, sucks. It's a whole 25, 30-minute experience to get there from here so yeah but how about you what'd you do what did i do joe other than uh, work i edit some shows oh my um my show with um joey santoro the founder of uh Faye protocol has has been put on hold um because Faye has merged with rari and this weekend rari was exploited for 80 million Dollars, mm. and so we're going to add a segment onto it uh, with his comments about the exploit because it just was a little too much, um, a little too much rah rah for something that had just been exploited for eighty million dollars to put out the way it was. So I asked him to come in, and you know, we're going to do another segment commenting on on that exploit, what happened, what they're doing to cope with it, what it's been like, et cetera. So we'll add that to it. And then uh, let's see what else. Um, my, my wife and son were working at the Relay for Life cancer event at uh, the park and they were gone all day and my daughter was at a party. And so I got a little work done on Saturday and then Sunday I uh, went to a lacrosse game. So went to see my daughter play, and, uh, you know, good old sport. It's typical family weekend, basically. She likes lax. Yeah, she does. Well, she's Good. funny because she doesn't cope well with the pressure of the games, but um, she uh, is good at it. And um, so she always bitches and moans before the games that she doesn't really want to go. And then when she goes, she has a blast. And you know, yeah, it's just that's normal. But and she's on a team with a bunch of new players. So they're not great as a team, you know, yet there are probably five, six standout girls on the team that are excellent, um, but they need more. They need better players. So anyway, but they're all brand new at this sport. So is it a school team or a club team? Club team. Club team. Their coach is the high school coach. So she's excited to play for her in high school. We'll see what happens. So, oh, anyway. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. Good yes. for her. That's. It's good. Get a little body contact out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't well, get she wants it banging into she, people, you know. She wants it to be more like the boys lacrosse. Where Oh wait, the girls are different? Yeah, it's not as violent, not even close. Like, you know, they are so tight on the rules on hitting and they're tight on the rules on checking. It just sucks because you watch the I mean, it's still a good game, don't get me wrong, but you watch the boys play and it's like it's like unbelievable the impact yeah yeah 30 years ago yeah yeah it's insanity and and she wants that she would love she would love that kind of play i mean she's a little girl but she would she would love the contact and the 
little more violence. I think she'd like to amp up the violence a little bit in the uh, lacrosse, but you know, well, Hey, they miss that real world stuff. Exactly. You know, when they're in the phones all the time. I mean, I was having a big lecture with my daughter about the phone stuff this weekend, just cause I saw I her using it well. more. Oh yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> they love that conversation. You know, it usually descends into, but then you kind of think about it and I'm like, you know, I sort of remember when, you know, new forms of sort of entertainment come out, whether it was radio to TV to whatever, cable to streaming to, you know, ephemeral messaging platforms. And everyone before that is like, oh, it's the end of society. You know? Oh, yeah. And you just sort of think they're growing up in this as native tech. So it's not different to them. No. Um, remember, the whole, remember whole wave of, of parents not letting their children watch television. There was a whole, like, there was a book about like, get rid of the television. It's horrible. It's, you know, and um, well, guess what? We all survived. We made it. I mean, there are a lot of dumb dumbos out there too. So maybe they watch more TV than us, but, <laughs> but I seem to remember coming home from school. Didn't really have much homework back then. And, um, you know, sitting down in front of the TV and watching shows at like four o'clock till dinner time. Right. You know, and, and, or maybe even if it was nighttime and there might be a show on, everybody was in the living room, but everybody was kind of doing their own thing. Like my grandma might be knitting or I might be drawing on the, the you know, sitting on the floor drawing or something while a show was going on. You know, it was just always everybody was in the same room. Right. Which is probably an extension because they all grew up with radio. Yeah. So, you know, before radio, they would sit in the parlor and talk and read and stuff and somebody might play a musical instrument to entertain everybody and then ra radio came and it kind of extended that sort of togetherness and then tv kind of fit into the platform the same way but now it's all you know decentralized we all have our watch our own show on our own device yeah and it's kind of interesting if you get them all in the room at the same time like you know when you were a kid and you would sit in, you know after dinner and you'd watch shows and stuff even if they're on other devices, there's still conversations going on across it. Absolutely. You know? So it's still a good thing to try to encourage, um, you know, or, or you just kind of start losing touch. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, look, whatever. I mean, look, there's, there's all kinds of issues with phone usage, social media, but whatever. We'll... I just for teenage girls in particular, it's pretty, yeah. they get so obsessed with what they look like, you know, versus what other people. Look yeah. Like. It's so image focused. It's just yeah. ridiculous. But I figured they'll get bored with it. She's gotten bored with it before, so well, I think it's just that her crew now they're all on there. So, um, you know, what can you do? Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, look, I've tried the shutting it off, and anyway, um, but anyhow, good so, weekend. Yeah, so this weekend we had some news. Uh, some things happened. Um, so, really? Yeah. So there was um, uh, evidently there was some liquidations. I don't know specifically where on phantom for ftm this weekend and then oh, yeah. i saw that there was a um and that started a series of well no this next thing started a series of tweets people put out um there was a whale who had a 50 million dollar uh loan against his ftm and he was in danger of liquidation and the analysis that people did was that that $50 million liquidation would basically completely and totally devastate Phantom as a chain. Um, that it would, it would just cascade into everything on the chain and basically wipe out just about everything that was going on on chain. Now, you know, whether or not it would have been that devastating, um, let me see if I can find... 50 million though on five, you said 50 on a $2 billion market cap. Yeah. Coin. I yeah. don't know, man. That yeah. I, well, and that's, what's crazy. But when you look at it, like they were running things like uh, looking at the slippage, if you tried to sell, because oh, essentially yeah. when the liquidation happens, you know, you're basically dumping $50 million of the token onto the market. Right. Um, and so that was, that was the big deal, but here's my point. And, and we've talked about this before, but you know, it just um, when people start talking about <laughs> Niblet says Joe has lived a long time. It seems, yeah, he's lived a really long time. Multiple he's, lives, uh, buddy. He's, Multiple lives. He's he's really lived a long time. Um, yeah. I wasn't back there for the radio, though. Just to clarify. <laughs> 
But I did take a typing class in high school. Joe had one of those hand crank Victrolas. Yeah, uh, like yeah. 78s. Exactly, know, exactly. A lot of 45s and 78s. Exactly. So. We actually had one of those in my house. My dad restored his father's uh, from way back when. And it actually worked. It was great. Um, anyway, so the, there was a potential liquidation. Some other whales bailed out the borrower uh, that had the liquidations mm -hmm. and sent him over millions and he paid off the debt. But the thing that bothers me most about this is, and when I bring this up, the argument on Twitter often is, well, we have to keep everything permissionless. But my argument is that all of the lending systems need to be keeping an eye on the health of individual protocols and coins and of chains and of the total DeFi ecosystem. And they need, I mean, it's data, right? So this shouldn't be something, it, it's work, but it shouldn't be something that's impossible to do. They should all be utilizing some kind of Oracle or feed that says, you know what, on Phantom, a $50 million loan is a dangerous thing because if this price drops to here, there's an opportunity for this entire, entire chain to collapse. Or uh, on Olympus Dow, if this loan happens and one hits at $20 million, there will be cascading liquidations that can devastate that protocol. Same with Wonderland. And my point is this. They need to have a feed of all loan data across all chains, across O protocols, to keep track of specific protocols and specific chains, the amount of debt that's on them, and the theoretical implications of liquidations, right? And refuse loans... The system automatically should refuse loans that jeopardize the system, right? And that doesn't have to make it um, permissioned. It doesn't mean a human being says, oh, no, no, we can't approve that loan like at a fucking bank. They just need to be responsible about what the impact is of those protocols on the entire ecosystem. So that's the argument I'm making, Joe. Well, no, I think it makes sense. I would say a couple of things. One, what protocol was it lent to? Or was uh, I don't know what the lending protocol was. It was, but you know, was I was wondering who was Geist. That's why I was curious. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, but also look, and what was the LTV on the loan? I mean, I don't see you shouldn't be getting anything higher than fifty percent loan to value on Phantom. Well, I mean, and at the very least, if you're going to, the amount can't be that big, right? It can't like okay, ten grand. Yeah, sure, go ahead, risk your ass all you want. But oh, yeah, ten million? No, probably not a great idea, dude. You know. <laughs> So well, you could I, have this L, a sliding scale LTV on that too. Like true. if you're like that $10,000 person, you could take out, you know, I think I haven't done any of the borrowing in a few months, but if I remember right, like on Ave, Polygon Ave, you could get 70%, I think on ETH and maybe 85% on, um, on BTC. But even Ave itself, I think you could only get 50% on it. Right. So, you know, I think that you have to also think of it that way, um, you know, with and particularly with a chain token. And I also think the chains themselves bear some responsibility to this, that you should be actively managing what is your what is out there and in other protocols. If you're the Phantom Foundation or whatever they're called, so that you could come in at those times when you start you know, seeing risk to the system, you could be running risk analysis continuously and then come in and intervene in some place or time. Like maybe, maybe if the LTV on Phantom is say 50%, maybe when it, when the collateral drops to say, you know, say 30%, so it's about at 70 to 75% of its posted value. then maybe then you start calling for margin calls at that point or telling them to liquidate before it drops further. Um, I just think there are ways, if I was Phantom, you know, and a $50 million loan is going to take out my $2 billion market cap coin, I'd be all over this. Yeah, but I think that you just get into then you get into, um, I, I agree that would be the, that would be a good way to handle it. I mean, it would be a solution, but I think what'll happen then is, is it kind of goes against the ethos of, of these chains they built out there running and allowing things to happen, what I would what, what I would prefer to see is the lending protocols, you know, have the sense to build a system that they can all utilize that feeds this data in and lets them 
automatically adjust on the fly the, the loan ratios, automatically adjust on the fly the amount of debt they're willing to take on for a protocol based on the debt circulating through the entire system, right? Because, um, you know, that to me, that would be a much more difficult thing for a protocol to do because then they've got to dive in and, you know, fund things or, or intervene in some way. And that's just going to freak people out and piss people off in terms of decentralization. Ideally, we would all choose to only use lending protocols that use a standardization for managing the risk for protocols and for chains, right? Because I would much rather do business with a protocol that is being responsible about, you know, automatically, algorithmically policing the size of the loans they allow. And, you know, that happens with scoring. There, there are scoring systems like if you, not a great example at the moment, but if you look at uh, Rari, Rari has scoring systems for their loans, right? And when, when, the, when the TVL drops, um, when, it, when it increases too much or when the ratios are too high in a given pool, it'll get a D or an F grade, right? To warn people off that, you know, that pool might have problems, but that doesn't solve the overall problem. The overall problem being to me that there just needs to be tracking of all debt across chains and across protocols so that there's a scoring system that says, okay, you don't take loans over this amount and we don't take loans at this, you know, ratio level. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that would be the, the to me, that's the, that's the solution I'd like to see. And I'd like the market to say, Hey, if you don't do this, we're not doing business with you, you know? So anyway. Yeah. I guess what, another question I have is say on Ave, if you have an ETH position in there and, and you fall below the LTV and you get liquidated, they don't sell the ETH right away. They hold it. I have no so, idea. So if you're, no, they do. So if you're okay. a lending protocol on phantom and it's a phantom position that's getting liquidated, I don't think you have to force sell it. I think you can just hold it. I don't think, you know, because it's an asset still. I don't, I don't get why in liquidity. Well, if the asset is sell. if the asset is dropping in value, the, the standard response would be to liquidate it to cover the amount of debt, right? That's now, already covered at that point. You're still covered the debt because you're above the LTV when it liquidates. Right. But what I'm saying is if they don't sell the asset and the asset continues to decline in That's price, everything in crypto, though. That's every single crypto out there. And they're on Phantom. So there are Phantoms. There's a Phantom chain supporting loan lending protocol. I think I would be holding it. Well, I, if it's Phantom or ETH, probably I would too, because I think the longer term gains on it are potential are positive, right? Yeah. But And that may be a mechanism to solve the problem. But if it's not FTM, if it's something else like Ohm or whatever, you know, I think the default is that they, they sell that to cover the debt into a stable and then the stable coin covers the debt that that was paid out to the borrower, right? So you know it would have to be a calculated risk on whether or not you think the yeah. asset is going to um, appreciate in the future. But to me, or sell it with thirty eight percent slippage. I guess that's your choice, right? And that's right. And and that's you know if you look at this is the this is the somebody ran through and did the slippage on all of the chain or the major chains if you sold fifty million dollars worth. Right, ETH was a nine percent slippage. BNB sixteen percent, uh, Solana thirty two percent, Luna thirty three percent, Chronos thirty three point five, Arbitrum thirty five percent, Avax thirty five percent, FTM forty two point five percent, Matic sixty two point five percent. So, you know, there's there's some there's some serious risk to systemic risk. And I just don't see ETH being 9%. And I don't see BNB being oh. 16%. Well, I mean, I guess you can't, you really can't sell across chain yet, can you? No. I mean, so you have to pick yeah. one, yeah. one order book to sell it or move it across five different platforms and sell five orders of 10 million. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And also, I don't know what the order books look like either at any given time. So probably there wasn't a lot of order book because it's going to drop down on that. I mean, I could see on the smaller ones. But like if you go to Coinbase or Binance, I just and you sell 50 million in ETH. I don't know. What does matcha give us? Not a bad network fee. 
No. Uh, so 48,000. So that's 1.4 million. Which is like 3%. Yeah. 2.8. 2.8%. Yeah. yeah. I don't I know. Just said, I just picked on the ETH one because that's just such yeah, a- Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. Matt, I don't know about Matic, but a lot of the other ones, yeah, I could see that being a big issue. So anyway, my point of view is this is the, the, and here's the, here's the thing that I'm most, I'm certainly concerned, not most concerned about, but I'm certainly concerned about, you know, a debt liquidation taking down the entire chain. But the other thing it does is it gives an attack vector, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the kind of thing that regulators or, or politicians can grab hold of and say, see, this is the risk or see all this that got liquidated, see what happened because they're not regulated, they're not responsible. That to me is the biggest attack vector of this is to say that the systemic risk is massive. And then as we become part more of the traditional finance world, that impact then, you know, they'll claim that that impact then rolls into traditional finance. My feeling is let's get our shit together and use the data and the algorithms to be able to re- to self-regulate by reducing the risk, right? Let's reduce the risk. Let's not let some fucking idiot. I get it. He didn't want to sell his $50 million with an FTM. I understand, right? I wouldn't it's like, want to either. But at the same time, dude, if you need some cash, whatever you borrowed, if you need the cash, you know, you may have to let go of some of that shit because you just put in jeopardy your 50 million in FTM. You put the entire chain in fucking jeopardy with that fucking loan, right? I would love to know what he invested the loan in. Yeah, right. Uh, like knows? if he was doing a 999 thing or like spiraling yeah. up or if he was stable coin yielding it. Must have been something else other than the stables because obviously his borrowed amount got hammered too. There was a whole... um I was trying to find the guys. I, I had read the thread and I forgot to save it the other day yeah. of the guys that loaned him the money. It came from guys that have another protocol. I think it's, uh, I think it was, was it, I want to say. Or Beatrum? No, no, no. Uh, not a chain, a protocol. Um, and they were being accused of lending treasury money, but they didn't. They, reg- they lent uh, personal money. Um, but I can't find the thread, but they talked about how much he had to cover and they actually like, you know, gave the Twitter handle of the borrower, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, I'd like to see us, you know, the kinds of things that we are able to do to self police and regulate automatically and autonomously are the kinds of things that make us superior. So let's use the mechanisms we have to show the world that we're actually going to do a better job than the traditional finance world because we don't require a human being to try to regulate this. We can do this algorithmically across all chains, across all protocols, and have a way to make sure that that kind of shit can't happen. Um, And it's just going to be critical. It's going to be critical, even if it wasn't a regulatory attack vector, it's going to be critical for big, more, more institutional money coming in. Right. Those people are going to examine the underlying infrastructure risks. And the only thing they're going to put money into is ETH and Bitcoin, because they're not going to take the chance of utilizing the protocols and making them part of their product offering to their clients if they can't work, if they have to worry about that kind of systemic risk to their entire system. So. Now, no, I think it makes total sense. Just the algorithm has to be figured out. And right. I mean, it's complex. It's definitely complex. And every protocol would probably have to do their own thing. But well, it's it's doable. Yeah. Think about this. So this is $50 million on a $2 billion token. I think that's 2.5% of the market cap was $50 million. Um, is that right? $50 million, 5% of a billion. Yeah, yeah. So 2.5%. Um, so maybe you cap the size, maybe you say no one can stake more than half of 1% of the total market cap. And then that is a type, whatever that value is. And then that value is watched. Right. And then when that starts getting in trouble, you start pulling those LTV ratios, uh, pushing them down, I guess. And then having people post more collateral. I mean, there's an algorithm for it. I think it makes total sense. And force people to go across multiple protocols if you really well, want to borrow like that. Right. And we also have to track all of the lending protocols pooled together because you could theoretically have one person that only takes 0.5%, but 
across the board, you may find that, you know, 35% of a token is in high risk debt. And that's got to be a part of the equation too. It's got to be like, okay, yeah, we've got to be careful because this is approaching, you know, look, it's what happened to Olympus Dow, right? And, and, and Olympus's Dow's liquidations happened, happened because one dude was stupid enough to sell $10 million worth on the exchanges, right? Rather than go to an OTC because he wanted to cash out some money. That put into impact a massive price drop because of the slippage on selling that much, which then set off all of the liquidations on the lending, which made the price plummet even further, right? And th- those are the kind of systemic things that the these protocols have to be aware of. I mean, they can't be aware of, of we can't have somebody blocked for selling $10 million worth. But what we can do is count into the equation, okay, if there was an event that dropped price X percent, what's the level of risk that the the overall token protocol or chain is going to have to that, right? Again, it's yeah. it's complex, but it's definitely something I think needs to be looked at. So I think so too. I think you're right. Um, and I think it's doable. I yeah. mean, it's not, it's, but everybody's pretty much open source on these lending protocols. So it'd be pretty easy to peel the data um, yep. and write, a, I mean, hey, there's a, okay, here's a new company. Let's just do a coin offering right now. What do we call it? Brad, call it the Brad coin. Let's not. Okay, every- <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We're Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll give them away to everybody. After you make we'll a call donation it- to the foundation. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it Zelensky coin. There you go. There you go. Interesting story though. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw Phantom. I was tempted when I saw it in the '60s to buy some more, but I, I just was like, you know, kind of sitting there going, well, you know, after reading all this other stuff about. People, you know, the having analysis people calling the bottom for November of this right. year. I'm like, well, maybe there's going to be more chances to get in on that uh, later on. So, you know, who knows? But, you know, me, I, I want that crater right now with the big wick down because I think it's the only way we come out of this. Yeah, I thought we were about to have it this weekend. It just felt like all the stars were aligning between exploits, you know, close to liquidations. The prices seem to be dropping more and more. I thought we were about to, to, you know, make the leap, but we didn't. Well, but, you know, you see the data like on Ethereum. I don't remember if this is in your guys' channel or if it was Kingfish or Jarvis or whatever, but um, showing the amount of ETH on exchange and off exchange. And it's still widening. I mean, leaving right. the exchanges. Right, you know, right. The supply is historically low. So another article about all the institutional buying that's been going on since, I think, August of 21. Right. They're not selling. And in fact, they're probably, where was it in August, ETH? I think it was, it's probably right around where it is now or a little bit below, but, you know, they're either underwater or they're slightly in the money. So they're not, they're not selling. So there's just not a lot of retail out there ready to dump and panic. And if they do, people buy. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I think, Something is some catalyst has to happen to flood new money into the market, yeah, to push it up. Because when you look at the tech that's being developed, I mean, so much of the stuff out there now is absolutely mind blowing. The stuff that we're seeing, and it's not you know, this isn't reinventing the wheel stuff, this is like DeFi 3.0, yeah, 4.0 stuff. I mean, it's so you know, whenever we kind of ride out of this kind of crabby, bearish feeling. Um, you know, I think then you're going to see a ton of institutional money come pouring in and then totally agree. You know, hopefully the retail comes with it. Yeah. Um, I think it will, but we have to wait till that happens. And I don't know when that is. Yeah. When the downward move started making this weekend, I said, if this down continues, I'm excited about what will happen in DeFi. Number one, shit projects will die. Number two, projects will merge into stronger and more powerful integrated models. Number three, smart teams will build and secure more. And four, revenue for investors will become the norm. You know, because I, I, I do think this shit is necessary. We have to have failures. We have to have, you know, dumps that weed out the shit. We have to have founders having downtime to focus on security and building and growing and strengthening what they have. Um, integrate. I think there will be a lot more merges um, if that comes and projects working together, pooling resources, pooling teams, pooling treasuries. So, frankly it's probably a really good thing if we have to have that big dump you're talking about. I think it's got to happen. I mean, 
look, I see everybody panicking over, you know, I mean, I saw some stuff in one of the channels too. People are starting to talk about tapering. Like nobody's been talking about tapering. You know, everybody's been talking about tapering in the real world for the last two years, you know? Right, right. And you get people going, oh my God, the Fed's going to like reduce the balance sheet. And I'm like, that happened in 2018. That's why they stopped raising rates because it was just too much at once. Right. And so it's not like this is this big surprise that they're going to be retiring 85 billion a month off of the balance sheet. Maybe it gets smaller, who knows, but it's not an event. It's already priced in. Everybody yeah. knows it's happening And the 50 bips rate hike for where we in May now. Yeah. This month. I mean, that's already priced in. Everybody knows it's coming. So, I mean, I don't see, the, I don't see the panic there that you get all the people writing about. It's not, it's not happening that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then I think I saw a first quarter GDP number of like minus 1.2 and everybody's like, oh my God. And I'm like, the first quarter is always shit. And this, the fourth quarter right before it was like 8.7 or something like that or 6.9 or 7, you know. So, of course, that's going to happen. Um, I think people just don't really get how the broader economy works a lot of times and how it affects crypto. And I don't see the I mean, I see I'm more honestly worried about real estate myself these days. Really? Um, Interesting. Yeah. But just because of, um, you know, now you know, interest rates going up. Some mortgage rates are back up in the fives. Um, but also now we're getting the adjustable rate mortgages are coming back. They're starting to write those again. I mean, those were gone for 12 years. basically. Yeah, that's brutal. That's and now that's coming. If we start hearing about interest only stuff again, you know, then look out. But I just feel like, you know, like I see it in this neighborhood. Um, you know, everything went up 40% last year, basically, and, but nothing's selling now, you know, everybody's just sitting on it, but you know, property taxes and, you know, a mortgage Oh, you payment. think the, you think the, the sales have slowed down? There's here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Around here it has. Huh. Um, I don't know what's going on in the South, but you know, in this part of town, yeah, it's definitely, there's just no inventory. No. Oh, well that's, Oh, I, yeah. I, I thought you meant interest or demand was slowing down. Cause I'm like, now nah, down here where people can't. Well, this has gotten priced out here. I mean, yeah. dude, this, this ranch that I'm looking at on my window right now next to me, you know, when it was for sale, it listed it. And this is a basically a, you know, you call it a three bedroom, but it's a two bedroom plus a den small footprint lot, you know, $1.7 million. Yeah. That house yeah. is thirty thousand dollars in Memphis. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in well, a decent no, look, neighborhood. Down here, you can write for sale on a piece of paper and stand on your front yard, and it'll be gone above asking within ten minutes. So it's like you know, it's like it's it's ridiculous here. Yeah, but. no, it's just it was here like three months ago. It's like that here where a lot of people were listing houses and people were coming in and writing checks for three hundred thousand over the ask. Yeah. You know, yeah. you list it for two point two million, and people are coming and offering you two and a half million dollars cash. Yeah, it's on crazy. the spot. And you know, and I'm like, fuck, man, the property taxes. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I just, I, and you can't deduct the interest anymore. Like when it was, you know, those interest only loans were great because you know, I was writing off hundreds of thousands. Of, well, I don't want to get into specific numbers, but I was writing big numbers of interest off. Well, now it's capped at what? I don't know what is it capped at this year. It's like ten thousand, twelve thousand. So you can't deduct taxes and interest anymore. So I think that that's going to have an impact on some people too. Sure. Um, but you know who knows? That's just my my feeling. So the board ape guys, Yuga Labs, kind of fucked up this weekend. Some people are saying they did it on purpose. Um, they were selling NFT land in their metaverse and. Uh, evidently they were double requiring people to double or triple mint um, on the, um, on the, um, uh, on the, on the, when you were minting your NFTs. Mm -hmm. So people were like paying double and triple the price and it fucking clogged up Ethereum. And, um, but then they put out a tweet and this is why somebody, people think that they're, they did it on purpose is we're sorry for turning off the lights on Ethereum for a while. It seems abundantly clear that ApeCoin will need to migrate to its own chain in order to properly scale. We'd like to encourage the DAO to start thinking in this direction. Well, no, you don't have to fucking um, have your own, your own chain, chain if you build your contracts efficiently so that it doesn't require people to double and triple fucking mint 
when they're getting the NFTs, dude. It's like you, if you're just smart about how you do this. So some people are assuming are 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 intimating that they did this on purpose because that's their real goal is to have their own chain just for ApeCoin and the metaverse, I guess. Which look, I mean, you know, subchains on Avalanche are are being used for that right now, right? Mm-hmm. Games are going because they want to control this the flow, they want to control the speed, they want to control the transaction fees, everything else, and they want to own it. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it was ridiculous. And here's the really stupid thing. They've now are going to refund the gas fees because people were essentially doubling and tripling the cost of the the piece of land they were buying. People are now going, they're going to refund all of the millions and millions of dollars that was burned in gas back to the people that minted these. So now they're going to like take this nice big fat chunk out of their treasury um, and give it back to people, which is, you know, it's just stupid all the way around. But anyway, it is. What yeah. It is. I mean, if you're, this is a premium priced NFT land product, I right? Board Ape Yacht Club is probably the most, maybe the most recognized NFT out there right now. What would you think? Yeah, I would say it's so. It's in the top five. Let's put yeah. it that way. And now you're going to, I mean, everybody's just ecstatic to get one. Yeah. And now you're going to refund the gas. I was like, no, nah, I wouldn't do that. Just Back on me- our, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Back on our landing, Niblet says, yes, enough of these events, and I'm worried that retail will start calling for a regulator, which harms everyone. And then uh, Sean XPT says, the reality is the only way to cover these risks is to hold an insurance fund greater than the OI. That that does not stop liquidation chains. It limits the losses to the over-leveraged. Yeah, but you cannot take... You cannot take on the loans that put it at a greater risk, right? I mean, that's really my point is you just are monitoring the health of the ecosystem and you're saying, okay, this is too much exposure on this protocol. And it requires, re, you know, ratcheting back the greed of the of the protocol that's lending because you're going to have to say, you know what, we can't take all the loans. Uh, but Eamon brings up a practical point. He says it's not very easy to collect the data from any arbitrary protocol Haha, I spent a month just getting just balances from a few different protocols. Yeah, totally agree. In current state, that can be a difficult thing, but there is zero reason why we can't get it, right? Like like the protocols can't make it easier to share and somebody can't build the system that actually feeds, pulls those feeds in from every lending protocol that's participating in the measure to try to keep things safer. So totally agree, dude. Right now it's an arduous task, but my whole point is they all need to make it easier for us to see and understand the data so uh, people well, can be more careful. Yeah, and if you think about it, just from the other project of ours, you know, just with one or two platforms to get all the APIs working and everything to do stuff, I mean, I would think that that's going to be a complex task as well, but it's doable. Yeah, but if the lending protocols go in and make the feed available and yeah. then pull it then then it's not what Eamon went through right Eamon went had to go to every one of the protocols and try to figure out how to get data right whereas if the protocols are creating the feed and saying hey we're going to make this easier we have a standard that we've defined and now all of us pull it together i i think that makes sense so anyway and i think investors have to take responsibility too people borrowing have to people lending have to take responsibility they also have to take a look at the health of things and make sure they're not going to get crushed um with this now i don't give a shit if the if the guy with 50 million loses his money right but at the same time i do give a shit if it impacts the entire ecosystem or if it puts us at risk as uh from out other folks from regulators or whomever yeah and i was also think about if that's all transparent data if you get some like competitor on competitor action when you see someone getting like tight to those liquidation margins yeah, maybe you then could do something predatory to take them down. I mean, there might be a reason they don't want to share the data. Right, it makes an attack risk definitely. Yeah. Like it's like, okay, you know, let me dump on this token because I can see that if I dump on this token, that's going to liquidate a ten million dollar loan. That's going to create a cascading event that impacts what it's paired with. And then they pile back in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it just it just it, it's all healthy though for the market. Yeah. Look, if a government wanted to take out like DeFi. Right. Maybe they do it. Maybe they cause it because they they feel threatened by it. A bank, an industry, anybody says, all right, you know what? Or a whole chain. I don't want this thing to win. So I'm going to take it out by, you know, creating a creating a, a uh, just dumping everything. Yeah. 
Eamon says, that'd be awesome if it was a standard in base code. Want to make an EIP? <laughs> I tell you what, Eamon, you write it up and I'll, I'll endorse it, but I am not the guy to write it up. Uh, Chuck says the reporting should have been baked into the chain designs. Grafting something on after the fact will never be 100% accurate. Seems like an audit tracking clearance chain that everyone participates in is better than riling on these chain-specific developers to build the right thing. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, you have to have feeds from all chains. And, and I agree, it's not going to be easy or perfect, um, but it could certainly be better. I would love a solution that 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 made it easier and um cohesive for all chains but yeah and it's also a way for that chain to differentiate from the competition like let's say phantom rolled this out yeah then, that's true you know, they're saying this is why we're better than yep. avalanche solana whatever you know i'm not saying they are or aren't i'm just saying that would be a, That'd be a differentiator thing. yeah i think that makes sense i like interesting that. you know i was looking at back to the uh the yuga labs i was looking at that very first uh below the main post in the thread read that we're aware that some users had failed Due to the incredible demand, yeah, being forced, so it's kind of feeds into your thing what you were saying that um, a lot of these it kind of looks like it's a marketing gimmick more than um, an event. You wrote, a, look at this reply. You wrote a terribly unoptimized contract, created a gas war, lied about Dutch auction mechanics to pump your own narrative, and hid how many wallets were eligible. Maybe get a solidity deb before you go around trying to create. Binance Smart Chain 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> no reply to that uh, one. Oh, yeah, this like is a good it. reply. They can't write a good contract, but I assure you, 0x Fubar, they will write another better, they will write a better blockchain. Trust them, please. Yeah, you can't write a good contract. <laughs> you can't write a blockchain. Yeah. Where do I get my money back? When do I get my money back? <laughs> I saw one where somebody minted and I saw like a $43,000 gas fee or something. Yeah. On a, you know, a much smaller transaction than that. Um, you got to really want that stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. What does he say? <laughs> that's uh, that's the guy that got, that got killed. Uh, just got arrested. I think, I think this is the guy that just got arrested. What's his name? Shit. The hedge fund. Um, oh, oh, the in the U.S. got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not Zhang, but something like that. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember, but yeah. I would. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that guy's. <laughs> I mean, he was not playing smart. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Public yeah. securities. Let's see if know. they've owned up to how fucked up they were. We're working on refunding all other deed mentors with failed transactions, their gas. Oh, they're refunding failed transactions, their oh, gas. okay. We'll transfer it all back to your wallet and announce once completed. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't actually say. Yeah, so they're only refunding the gas to the people that failed. Okay. Which would suck a six thousand dollar gas fee. So uh, I'm not going to get into this. There's a thread I'll put in the uh, um, in the notes. But this is a really good thread on fundraising decks for Web three mm -hmm. companies. Um, this is also a good reading for folks that want to take a look on how to read smart contracts. Just basic fundamentals of you know functionality. Um, uh, I'll save that one for another day. Oh, uh, so somebody did a little digging on the Coinbase listings. I think we might've talked briefly about this last week, but Kobe uh, looked at some tokens around the Coinbase asset listings um, and the number and found a wallet that was buying up all of the listings 24 hours before the listings went public, right? Uh -huh. So, so well, so there was a listing where Coinbase said, these are the potential assets we're going to, be buying as in a in a vote of transparency. These are the potential assets we're going to be we're going to be opening to trading in the next several months. They will go through our process, but these are the ones we're considering. Somebody went in and bought a ton of those assets, twenty four exact that list exactly twenty four hours before that list was made public, right? So the point here is is that Coinbase has somebody within there doing some insider trading on that information you know must be difficult to resist that though i can imagine if you know that coinbase just saying those names is going to pump all of those tokens uh anyway yeah uh, supposedly coinbase is investigating this who knows we'll see yeah i saw a clip about that something i saw over the weekend on coinbase 
investigating insider trading. Yeah. So, uh, so we talked a little bit about this earlier. Rari was um, exploited for 80 million in U.S. dollars. Um, it was actually, from what I read uh, on Saturday, I believe, it was actually a um, vulnerability that was supposedly fixed and a bounty was paid to um, the person that found it um, and reported it to them. But there was some other methodology or some weakness in the way it was fixed that didn't fully fix the bug. So uh, Faye got, I mean, Rari got hit with the $80 million exploit this weekend. Um, you know, just another day in DeFi, I guess. Was that, is that the one you were talking about earlier? The Faye Rari one? Yes. Who, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Faye and Rari merged and Rari is the lending protocol. Okay. Uh, let's see what, uh, Eamon said, yeah, you'd have to have events to be tracking fed into on-chain, off-chain Oracle. That could be manipulated and cause attacks to be ARBs. Oh, so he's saying that it could potentially be attacked. Yeah, look, it's from my perspective, it's tech. There's always a solution. Um, so hopefully hopefully something will happen. Nobody's, nothing's going to happen because I call for it, but it would certainly be uh, nice uh, to see something like that happen. Oh, and I think we may have touched on this briefly last week, but just wanted to hit it again, especially in light of Yuga saying they want to create their own chain. Uh, Binance cha Smart Chain uh, is now creating application side chains. So essentially um, allowing people to create their own side chain for their application. So games like we were talking about earlier, metaverses, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I'm assuming it works similar to how Avalanche's subchains work, um, but um, allows you to have your own chain with high speed, ultra low gas fees and its own token for gas. Um, smart move for them to copy it. They still have the most retail traffic and volume. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but this is, this could be a real opportunity for people launching games, et cetera, to own their own chain and, um, control their destiny like you can do on Avalanche. So. Yeah. I like that. Uh, let's see. Oh, bank is kind of blowing up. Everybody's kind of looking at them more and more for liquidity with their version 2.0 stuff, but I'm not going to get into that. Here are your articles, Joe. This is mine. <laughs> I think this is related to. Um, isn't this the one related? Want to well, shut down this weekend? Yeah, but wasn't yeah. it tied to an NFT sale or something like that? Too? I don't know what caused it. This uh, is always going down. I don't know why. It's always so going down. It's like fucking ridiculous, dude. I mean, I'm just surprised that people are still doing anything there at this point. I mean, I can think of like six, five or six complete shutdowns over the last year or so, at least. It says it was because of inbound transactions, 4 million per second flooding the networking network, surpassing 100 gigabytes per second. I don't know if All that right. was somebody attacking. They don't know why they couldn't recover from the crash. They basically had to fucking control all delete the fucking network. <laughs> all right. Next, next chain. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Goldman Sachs oh. is bringing Bitcoin back to loans to traditional finance, Joe. Yeah, just another, you know, user adoption, trade fi, wealth management thing. I mean, nothing too exciting. We don't know the L what the LTVs are or anything, but still the fact that they're doing it is good. Yeah. Um, either way. Yep. No, that's good. That's good. Next. That's good. Somebody threw this up in one of my chats. Um, it's this, I think it's M to E. That's what they're calling this space. So connecting, you know, musical artists, well, I guess athletes and other creators directly to their fans. And some people were a lot of people that I trust were buying this over the weekend. Interesting. Um, and then they put a list up of, I think, oh, the other ones, too, that fit. But Wait, they have their own VR headset. That was the thing everybody was bitching about. They're like, why would you do your own VR that's headset? Stupid. You know, that's that's the thing. It's like. But, you know, that's when people were like then selling after they figured that out. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, why do you want to be in the hardware business? You know, that's really so. strange. What well, I wonder what made them think that was a better move than just using. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to be dependent on another hardware maker, especially Meta, which is the number one VR headset mm -hmm. maker who has a competitive product. Right. Yeah. Now you're risking you're risking your entire business model if you're utilizing their system so 
Yeah, I could almost see why or use an alternative, some other like I'm a you know a Sony headset or something. Maybe they just are branding somebody else's. Who knows? But it does seem a little odd. But there's a ton of there's a ton of money in here. And Interesting. There's it's a token C E K I believe, and you know it seemed to be moving around over the weekend. So interesting. We're Wait, these are the out. these are the celebrities that are signed up in it. Yeah, they did a deal with Universal Music, so they Shit. have all of Universal Music's stuff. So they have wow. some big artists. Wow! I, mean, I saw Ziggy Marley, there's Demi Lovato, Lady Gaga. What the fuck is Randy Zuckerberg in there? I don't what know the who the hell that is. That's Mark's sister that was the COO at, at Facebook, I guess, and she did a she did a fucking cheesy ass pro crypto video. I mean. It was just, just cheesy, but it just seems odd that that she would be in the metaverse. Maybe now. she's got a lot of. Is she doing a podcast or something like that with a lot of followers? I don't know, but you know, it's just. A, so, are know, they look. doing concerts in the metaverse? I believe so. Wow, what the? Fuck? I don't know a hundred percent. I did big announcement. But look, it's it's a whole space now um, evolving. And it's kind of like the exercise ones too, the, the move to earn uh, ones where, see, this is when I was talking to the guy from iHeartRadio. I can't remember his name, but their corp dev guy, I think it was, what was it last December and what they were doing and, you know, with their, they're the biggest radio station operator in the U S and how they were, did their first, you know, live festival, um, you know, when the pandemic for, you know, kind of, struggling out of the pandemic at that point and what they were doing with nfts and things and they weren't really doing anything all that exciting right it was like giving away you know baseball cards or something you know it was like a thing it wasn't didn't do anything yeah. and you know i was talking about how you want to weave experiences and stuff into that and benny's for the future and you know just integrate more direct band to fan type activities and yeah and, you know, obviously other people were, you know, have, are doing this and have been doing it. So I think it's something that can build loyalty. like Avenge Sevenfold has a pretty cool like crypto play going on. Um, my daughter's into that band and uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, pretty much heavy metal rocking stuff. It's pretty good. Um, but, you know, just to kind of it, it, dis, dis, it disintermediates or disrupts that middleman concept. So now a lot of the studios and everybody are trying to get in the stay in the middle and stay relevant, right? Provide value. And I think this kind of looks like that a lot to me when you look at, say, you know, Universal and what they're right. trying to do. Right. Um, so I, I figured out the headsets. It's the cheap ass ones where you insert your phone in them. Oh. Uh, um, which I've never been, I, I've tried a couple of them and never been able to get anything effective out of them. Um, but you. So you just look at your phone screen. Yeah, it basically turns your phone screen into a VR headset. I mean, it works semi okay. Maybe they've improved it with their design. I don't know, but it's a hundred bucks, right? It's not a full on VR headset. Okay, like Meta's. It's 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 a it's a you know download the app, put it on your phone, and then insert the insert the phone into the headset. Yeah, and you also get three month subscription with that. So it's they're not launching a bad this price, you know? No, nah, it's not bad. So they're launching if it works. I mean, the the user experience on those are not great. So they launched this with a token. And that does the token have anything to do with access or to pay for the subscription? Do you know if it's utility in any way? I don't know its utility, no. It's interesting. I would I'm suspect, check it out. Yeah, it's just we should dig in more. I just saw it and fed it over so I didn't lose it over the weekend, but you know, I mean, you could see how tokens would work yeah. you know, in it for different things, not just, you know, commerce, but, you know, um, you know, tracking and things like that and yeah. fan experience and, you know, finding, you know, instantly maybe there's, you know, what's resonating with these, you know, high tier fans, you know, what are they liking? You know, how are they, you know, kind of just gathering in real time? I could see how that could be useful in a concert setting. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, you could be airdropping NFTs or with tokens during a song. You know, that's the, I don't know how they release music these days. I guess it's all singles. But, you know, in the olden days, there was like one or two big songs on a CD. Um, 
versus, you know, single downloads and playlists and things. Right. Um, I don't know about you, but one thing I have been doing lately is listening to the radio in the car again. Oh, not me. Well, just because I like that I don't know what's coming up next. Yeah, but I can do that with like a station on Apple Music or on Amazon Music or Spotify. I can just have a thematic station and have it go random and just, you know. Yeah, I guess you could. I just like to see oh, what is being promoted radio. by this the the studios. Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. I, I just I can't. I, I I haven't the only time I listen to the radio is when I get in the car and my wife has left it on. I yeah. don't I I just I don't I I just I like so unpredictable. I like, I like unpredictable. You know, I have thousands of songs in my phone and I'll just randomize the fuck out of it. But don't you go. know them all already? Yes, those some of those. But then I'll listen to whatever's, you know, like Amazon and Apple both have an algorithm that predicts what I like based on the things I listened mm. to in the past. So I get a lot of cool shit that I've never heard before, too. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I just I can't I can't go through the fucking commercials. And oh, dumb, no, I don't listen to the commercials. The dumbass but... DJs and just. just bleh. No, I don't listen to the commercials. I like to see what's coming out. But what I like yeah, is the randomness, cool. and I don't like an algorithm always picking it for me. But of course, they're probably running off an algorithm too. So yeah, more and more. <laughs> iHeartRadio, I think, is all algorithm. Yeah. Um, all Next. right. Let's see if we had anything else. You did the board ape thing too. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is because you were talking about you're kind of advising one of these fitness apps. So yep, I threw that walking. one in there just to see you know what you thought. I met that other group at the Bitcoin conference. I had their deck. I just, I got to follow up with them, but um, they had an, all the competition in there uh, and it didn't have yours. Um, yeah. Cause had they hadn't it. announced anything yet. Probably. Okay. Yeah. But there's a good, like 12 competitors out there that look pretty strong. Yep. Um, so this was one, I think that anything that creates motion and you earn for moving, I think has a real possibility to do something. It's um, funny how they, they named it step instead of stepping but their ticker is FitFi. Isn't there, isn't there a Steppen as well? Yeah, Steppen's the big one. Steppen is yeah. the one that kind of blew everything up. Yeah, that's got like the $2.3 billion market cap and everything else below it is yep. significantly less. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, that's interesting. But anyway, I thought that was more for you. Okay, yeah, yeah, next. thanks. Malt this is, oh, this is another one. Malt was talked about a lot from some DGENs like over the last year. And there was a big... Uh, rug pull or something like a couple a year ago, and so the big joke was everybody got malted, and um, so but this these are guys that are like DJs that that play a lot, and they're back in here on version two. So, I mean, I'm not going to play on so it. So it's but... a collateralized, algorithmically collateralized stablecoin pegged to one dollar. Be as fair as possible as their guiding principle. This guides every decision we make throughout the project. Designed around LPs, LPs are first-class citizens with strong incentives within the protocol. No VCs, no governance, no discounted presale, no team allocation. Democratizing the profit, usually extracted by bots. It's on Polygon. Yeah. So worth carries, exploring. Carries out privileged arbitrage on itself to keep the price stable. Profit generated via this arbitrage is then split between directly paying LPs and bolstering peg defenses. As an LP, all you have to do is create malt LP and bond your LP tokens into the malt contract. You'll now start receiving a pro rata share of all the profit made off the arbitrage. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. I think people were just right. People were taking elk over there, elk finance. That's what we're ah, okay. And I think there was some play in there with um elk uh, still functioning. Are they uh yeah, yeah. They're like on a shitload of chains. I mean, they're they're all interesting. I, I haven't really done anything. There was a big fight at the beginning. And I think I've told this story before, but, you know, I, I heard about it and I jumped in when it was at like a dollar or something. And like in three hours, it rode up to eight. And then I saw a big fight starting with someone I know who probably owns most of it. And I was like, I'm out, done. And it was all about they were given these NFTs. Um, I think it was like moose NFTs or something, but they were it was right when they were coming off the first chain to the second chain. And they had said that they were going to reward all the new liquidity in the second chain, but they ended up giving it all to founders. And then there was a big fight over that. Uh And then it was resolved to the satisfaction of the investor dudes. And then they kept going. So they resolved it. But when I saw that fight happening and the person who was starting it, I was like, this guy could single handedly tank the whole thing thing out. Yeah. So I was like, all right, 
five, six X in three hours, I'm gone. Um, <laughs> that's good. But that's just my strategy. It doesn't always work, obviously. So but I I, I'm going to look at this again because I like that particularly that feature you just outlined. I like that. I think that could be pretty interesting. Definitely. Definitely. Thing, Sounds so. good. I think that's all, right. all we got for today, Joe. All right, buddy. Everybody have a wonderful afternoon. Happy yep. Monday. Um, you know, stay safe out there. Could be ugly. Maybe it won't. We'll see what happens. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you guys. Please, if you get a chance, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe, comment, and click the little bell, please, on YouTube. Uh, also, you can do those same kind of actions on Twitch and on LinkedIn. We appreciate all of you here. Um, and uh, please tell your friends. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for uh, being Thanks, here buddy. today, buddy. Take care. Yeah, you too.